0: The Community Alliance with Family Farmers presents Season 2 of the Farmer's Beat podcast. That's B-E-E-T. My name is Emily Buer. I work with the Community Alliance with Family Farmers, also known as CAF. I'm your host for this episode of the Farmer's Beat, where we hear directly from small family farmers around California for real information and stories behind the food we eat. In this series, we'll pay particular attention to the innovative work small-scale farmers are doing to keep their food safe to eat and share techniques farmer to farmer. This is our second episode about our on-farm research trial to test a weeding method called occultation. Today, we're headed to a certified organic farm in Grass Valley, about an hour east of Sacramento.
1: So we're here at SuperTuber Farm. I'm Jeremy Minot. I started the farm in 2012.
0: We visit SuperTuber on a wet January day. The farm is tucked within the tall pines of the foothills in this part of the state. It's raining, and the landscape is lush and green.
1: We're in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains, so we're kind of closest to the best farmland in the country, but not quite there. So it's kind of rolling, beautiful, cool nights, warm days. We don't get real winter, but we get more of a winter than they do down in the valley. We occasionally get some snow, a lot of pine trees, some oak trees where we are. The farm itself is leased from the beer wagon family, who've been farming here for four generations, uh, growing apples and pears and peaches. They are interested in leasing some of their farmland to some young farmers, such as myself. This is our third year here. We lease about 16 acres, about 12 of which is farmable field land, and it's going great. It's a nice little spot to be.
0: Jeremy typically grows fall and winter crops like carrots, beets, cabbage, and potatoes. And he sells to a tight-knit local group of customers, including food co-ops and restaurants around the Grass Valley area.
1: So the Nevada City, Grass Valley area has like a pretty cool food scene for such a small town. So feeling pretty, pretty lucky to live in this beautiful place we live um, and have such a supportive small community to buy our stuff.
0: But Jeremy says there's one major challenge. Given the nature of his fall and winter crops, SuperTuber Farm needs to be extra diligent about pre-germination weed control.
1: A lot of the crops that we grow, specifically carrots and beets, they grow really slowly and they germinate really slowly, so they come out of the ground really slowly. And a lot of the weeds we have here come out of the ground really quickly. So if we were just to till up the ground and plant, say, carrots, we're going to see a bunch of weeds come up, and then maybe we'll see a few carrots come up under those weeds. And so to avoid that, we do various things to give the carrots and beets a little bit of an advantage right when they're coming out of the ground. Occultation is one of those methods.
0: Again, occultation is a method of weed control that's increasingly being used by small-scale vegetable farmers. It's a preemptive tactic, meaning it literally nips the weeds in the bud. The way it works is by creating a light-deprived environment where weeds germinate and die. At Super Tuber Farm, the process for occultation starts by tilling the ground, so you create a nice seed bed for your crops. After that, you'll want to thoroughly irrigate in order to create an environment where the weeds are ready and excited to grow. Then, you'll pull a plastic tarp over the irrigated plant bed and weigh down the edges of the tarp with sandbags. The tarp is totally opaque, meaning no light comes through.
1: Those weeds are trying to grow in that environment because we've given them water, which they want to grow, and we've given them warmth. Um, the tarp also helps warm up the soil a little bit, and they start to try and grow underneath that tarp, but there's no light. So they germinate and they try and grow, but there's nowhere for them to grow, so they die. Once that happens, we pull off that tarp, and we've got this nice, clean seed bed. And when we plant the carrots or beets into it, those carrots or beets are coming up without as much weed competition because a lot of the weeds in the first two inches of soil there have already tried to grow and died under that tarp.
0: We slosh through puddles around Super Tuber Farm as Jeremy and his crew harvest carrots from calf's occultation trial. They're loading them into buckets. In this experiment, Jeremy planted carrots in two 250-foot-long beds. One was a control bed, the other an occultation bed where he left the tarps for four weeks. What we found was that the carrots grown in the occultation bed were slightly bigger. As an added bonus, the occultation bed took only a fraction of the time to weed. But these results aren't totally surprising to Jeremy, who's actually dabbled with occultation for years. But he says initially, he wasn't so keen on the idea.
1: The first time I heard about it, I remember thinking, that's just way too much plastic. I don't want to deal with all that.
0: The plastic was a problem, but it was also a question of scale. Most farmers doing occultation only tarp one or two beds, but Jeremy would need to tarp about 10 to 15 acres. So at first, occultation didn't seem like a reasonable solution for a farm of super tuber size. But eventually, Jeremy decided to give it a try.
1: I can't remember exactly what it was that got us to do it, but We did. It worked really well the first couple years, nearly 100% control. And we did a little bit of experimentation.
0: In those early experiments, not with calf. Jeremy wanted to test the most effective ways to do occultation. To start, he wanted to know whether facing the black side of the silage tarp upward was more effective than facing the white side up.
1: Initially, it seemed like it had an equal effect, but then at a certain point, There was a crazy amount of wild lettuce that germinated in that patch.
0: The patch with the white side facing up.
1: It was really interesting because you could see it from standing back on the field. There was all the clean beds from where the black plastic was. And where we left the white side of the plastic up, there was just like a glowing green of a bunch of wild lettuce coming up, which was a really nasty weed to deal with. How much of it was coming up was just crazy.
0: Jeremy has a few guesses as to why the white side of the plastic was so unsuccessful. Maybe it had to do with the temperature change in the soil.
1: I don't know exactly what happened, but something happened that triggered a bunch of these winter weeds that normally are really not a big deal for us, except for this one situation where they just came on like 10 to 20 times stronger or more than they ever have before, um, which was super interesting.
0: Besides his observation that the white side of the tarp was less effective than the black side, Jeremy also experimented with using clear tarps. It's a practice called solarization. Unlike occultation, it uses plastic tarps to trap heat and kill weeds. But in solarization, the tarps cook the soil to kill the weed's seeds, not the weed itself. And unlike occultation, these tarps are clear, not opaque. Jeremy happened to have all the materials handy. So he decided to see how the black tarp, white tarp, and clear tarp compared.
1: So the silage tarp with the black side up worked really well. Germination was quick because the soil was already warm. There was very low weed pressure. There were some weeds, but the pressure was really low. And then things grew nicely and evenly. The clear plastic similarly had really low weed pressure. It actually had less weeds, um, but we noticed something interesting, which I've heard other people mention as well. Germination is really quick. And so we saw that side by side, the clear plastic carrots came up at the same time as the black plastic carrots. Um, And then they grew to about one inch at about the same pace. But then from about one inch to two inches, the carrots that were under the black plastic got from one inch to two inches a lot faster. Um, Whereas the beds that were under the clear plastic, those carrots stayed at like an inch for like two weeks or three weeks. They didn't hardly grow at all. And then they kind of caught up. In the end, harvest was all about the same. But that was kind of our idea like maybe not wanting to start solarizing everything with the clear plastic right away because it seemed like there was a little bit of stall in the carrots.
0: There hasn't been a lot of formal research on this but it's possible that the higher heat under the clear plastic shifted some of the biological processes that normally happen in the soil. That may have affected the growth of the carrots. It's the main reason why Jeremy doesn't frequently rely on solarization. Based on those early experiments, it seemed like the black plastic was the most consistent and reliable tarping method. And in some cases, he uses tarps hand in hand with other weed control techniques. For example, He might start by irrigating the soil and putting a black plastic tarp over it.
1: And that gets all those weeds really excited to grow, and those weeds start growing, and they come up, and then we want to kill them in some way. So one of the ways we've done it in the past is with a a torch, so we flame them, and they kill them, and then we can plant.
0: Jeremy's talking about a weed control method called flame weeding. It isn't what you think. You don't burn the weeds. Rather, you heat them until they dry out.
1: And so we experimented with a little bit of flame weeding. And like I said, we did some solarization.
0: And finally, Jeremy's experimented with a method called shallow bed cultivation. It's a weeding technique where he uses a tractor with tines mounted on it to drive over the beds. The cultivator then weeds the pathways between the rows of crops. Like flame weeding, Jeremy uses this method hand in hand with occultation.
1: We'll prepare the bed, we will irrigate the bed, and then instead of pulling a tarp over it, we run our cultivator over it, which runs really shallow. It essentially is like hoeing the first inch or less of the soil because um, we can get really precise with our cultivator. So we'll irrigate it just until the weeds just start to come up and then we'll kill the weeds with the cultivator and then irrigate it again. And then maybe we'll do that again. We might do that a couple times.
0: This past year, Jeremy used the shallow bed cultivator in calf's occultation research trial. He used it on both the treatment bed and the control bed and logged his methods throughout
1: based on this most current occultation trial we kept data after we've germinated the weeds and we've killed them in some way then we plant the carrots for all our carrot beds we usually start with one pass with our cultivator over all the beds kind of as soon as you can see the carrots from the back of the tractor so like before they've even gotten true leaves we'll usually try and do that we just did our whole block which i think was about 20 beds
0: after his first pass using the tractor jeremy did some hand weeding in the second cultivation He and his crew timed how long it took and found that hand weeding the occultation bed took just three hours. But it took six hours to hand weed the control bed. In other words, the occultation bed took half as long to weed throughout the season.
1: It's definitely a huge labor savings, and it's also like a spreading out of the labor. Instead of having this two-week period where we need to weed every single carrot. We still have that, but that's spread out a lot more. We can kill a lot of those weeds months before when we're pulling that plastic over. So yes, it definitely saves a lot of time, but it also spreads that time out, which is super helpful so we can just manage the workforce that we have a lot better.
0: But despite these positive findings, it's important to mention that occultation doesn't always kill 100% of weeds.
1: I mean, my plan was that no weeds would grow after we pulled off the tarps.
0: But some weeds did grow after you pulled off the tarps.
1: In the particular beds where we did the occultation, our primary weed was purslane, and it seemed like it had a good effect, but not a super complete effect. Our carrots that we were occultating got a good start, um, but then we had a bunch of purslane come on a little bit later.
0: Jeremy has a few suspicions about why those purslane weeds emerged. One being that occultation has different results on different weeds. For example, in the past, he's seen nearly 100% control of red root amaranth.
1: And then we have a wild radish here, That grows super fast, it's kind of crazy, but it responds really well to these kind of pre-emergent weed strategies that we talked about.
0: Purslane, on the other hand, is one of Jeremy's most stubborn weeds, but he also suspects it had something to do with the amount of time he left the beds uncovered after irrigating. To tarp most effectively, it's important to irrigate the soil and immediately pull the tarps over. That helps create a warm, moist environment for the weeds to germinate. Jeremy knows that firsthand. He told us a story about a dry summer two or three years ago. The plan was to do occultation on about an acre of fall carrots. So, of course, he started by irrigating the beds. But he didn't tarp them right away.
1: We got distracted, and the weeds went crazy, because we're irrigating blank beds without cultivating them in, like, June. And this was in our previous field where we had red root amaranth. This amaranth got up to be eight to 10 inches tall. The weeds were still lush, they weren't woody at all. Um, But we pulled the tarps over this amaranth like a carpet of it. And it didn't even look like a field under it because it was just kind of mounds of these various stages of amaranth. It just died, turned to crust. Six weeks later, we pulled off those tarps and it was just, there was a little bit of crinkly black stuff underneath, Um, but the beds were perfect and we didn't have a lot of weeds coming up that year.
0: Jeremy says he'll continue experimenting with occultation in the future. He particularly wants to track which weeds need sunlight to germinate and what stage he can let the weeds grow before pulling on the tarp. Specifically, he wants to test the effects of irrigating until the weeds get close to their reproductive stage, but before they start dropping seeds. So just
1: like let the jungle happen and then irrigating it until it's this crazy jungle of weeds, but not so long that those weeds start dropping seeds. As soon as we start to see those weeds going into their reproductive stages, we see flowers or we see seed pods or we see, you know, whatever, then we pull the tarps over and see if that is different than just getting it wet and pulling the tarps over. I don't know, we'll try, we'll keep trying.
0: He also plans on experimenting with the amount of time he places the tarps over the beds. He'll usually shoot for a minimum of four weeks, but he says that in the past, That amount of time has sometimes varied by season.
1: There's no moisture in the summer here. So we would often prep beds with the spring moisture that we have in the ground and then irrigate them if necessary and then cover them just because that's when we have the moisture in the ground to, to make nice beds. And so sometimes that meant that those tarps were on for eight weeks. And then there were other times where we had the tarps on for as few as two weeks. I think part of it may be getting those weeds time to germinate prior to pulling the tarps on. But um, just having them on for two weeks to kill what was coming up already um, seemed to work just fine.
0: The amount of tarping time might also vary with the use of clear plastic. With solarization, farmers typically tarp their beds for six to eight weeks. But it's possible to see results in as little as one week if you properly prepare the bed. The key is to get the first few inches of soil to cook because that's where weeds actually germinate from. But whether Jeremy's experimenting with occultation, solarization, or another pre-emergent weed strategy, he says he'll use these tools often throughout the next year. His goal for 2020 is to rearrange his planting schedule. It'll involve planting acres and acres at a time, a tall order for a relatively small-scale farm.
1: It also means that we're going to have the potential for some really bad weed problems. And we're gonna really need to be on it with whatever weed strategies we're doing. And so like, we really wanna have our weed strategies pretty tight um, and be using these kind of pre-emergent weed strategies, whatever they be, the solarization, the occultation, flaming, cultivating. We need to have something that works. So these strategies are gonna be really important for us.
0: So what's Jeremy's advice to other farmers looking to ramp up their occultation strategy? It's to keep experimenting. See what works for you.
1: Try it. (laughs) Try it, experiment with it, figure out what works for you, and talk to your farmer friends about it and help each other figure it out. Or try other things, like try the flaming and like our other method of cultivating without using plastic and see how it compares.
0: Looking to incorporate occultation into your farming practice? Head over to our website at calf.org. Under the programs header, click on the Climate Smart Farming podcast link. There, you'll find helpful resources, links, and photographs all about the Farmer's Beat. Also, follow us on Instagram at Farmers Guild to stay up to date on when the new episodes are released and to see pictures from the farms featured in this podcast. The Farmer's Beat would not exist without funding from the Western Sustainable Agriculture Research Education Program. We thank them for their support of this work and helping real farmers share their on-farm research experiences with other farmers. Are you a farmer interested in occultation and would like to be in a future podcast or have a question related to this podcast? You can contact us at farmersbeat at CAF.org. Thank you for listening and join us for the next episode from CAF, sharing farm-fresh insights right from the field and giving voice to sustainable agriculture since 1978.